Welcome everybody to the Rally Cry Podcast. My name is Angel. And my name is Tyler. And you guys are here because you want to redirect your life, grow, and heal at the same time. I am absolutely grateful for you guys here today wanting to work on yourself because that is actually the first step of growth of showing up it doesn't matter how long it is for even for five minutes that's all it takes to start somewhere and become different going on forward that's what you call progress baby progress take that first step don't ever be afraid if you are afraid if you are nervous and you are anxious just take that first step every step after that you're working your way through it Yes. So whatever uh, podcast platform you guys are on, make sure you give us a follow. Make sure you give us a review so we know that we're doing something right for the world. And actually, you guys don't understand how much it actually helps us out when you guys leave a review. So please do so. Give your thoughts. And, uh, you know, we could grow together as a team. We are also on Instagram Mm. on therallycry.podcast. You can also follow us there where we have our clips. And Mm. uh, we just try to be creative and you guys can be engaging with us so tyler mm. we got something very interesting today yeah, it's feeling like a pretty sticky situation mm, very sticky. sticky situation a lot of uh clinging yes a lot of uh appealing running away potentially running away but still being clung together yes in a way where we might not even know where it's actually coming from mm. so today we're going to be talking about three attachment styles right we don't understand how detrimental attachment can be for us, right? Yep. And uh, so you may have heard of it, but we're going to make sure we talk about it together, right? Mm -hmm. So isn't there ever a time where you're in a relationship and your your partner feels distant and it's hard to connect with them sometimes, right? Yeah, especially like when they're going through something, you know? Yeah. You you never know what they're going through. Exactly. You, You don't even know and you think that in that relationship they should be able to tell you all the time automatically like you expect that right and you think it's like their due diligence to do so and then Mm. you hold it against them and then it goes into another argument because they weren't opening up when you wanted them to open up Mm -hmm. and it's just this whole this whole like back and forth and then Mm -hmm. it was just like trying to figure out one thing now you created something that was nothing a whole bunch of tit for tats that like Mm -hmm. you know you you lose sight of the true goal now we're moving the focus point and now it's rather than presenting now you're reacting both both parties are reacting and you won't really get a lot done when both are reacting, especially coming from from such a defensive standpoint. Exactly. So it's just to a point where, you know, you feel um, like the, your partner may be nagging you, mm-hmm. and uh, then you feel like you need space after that. And then we think that when we're giving our partner space or our partner is giving us space, they don't love us. But that mm-hmm. is also a way of them giving love because they're taking mm-hmm. their time. And if you're not in a relationship, you might feel that, you're single and uh, you're trying to connect with someone and for some reason they ghost you and you're just like, I thought we had something going. but Right. And then, and then sometimes like communication would be great to hear, especially when things are just falling off. Mm-hmm. However, I think we could, we delude ourselves by convincing ourselves like, nah, that can't be. When there are cues that we see that ah, this doesn't feel like what it used to be, doesn't seem like this is where uh, originally where we intended it for it to go. But now it's like we barely talk. And should I take that as a sign like we're not cool anymore? Or should I take that as a sign like we just grew apart? I agree. I think what happens is that we're such in a polarizing generation mm-hmm. that we do that more than trying to connect with an, mm-hmm. one another. So it's just a matter of trying to find that solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to try to talk about 
where does the attachment styles come from? And uh, let's be aware of it first before we try to figure out if we have an attachment style. So if you guys are listening, you know, we're going to talk about um, these attachment styles, which the three that I've mentioned, um, or I'm going to mention is anxious, there's avoidant, and there's disorganized. Mm. And uh, so a long time ago. Ooh, story time. Well, there is a British psychologist named John Bobley, if I'm saying that right, uh, which discovered the attachment styles. And he was doing his research with kids and how typically around one years old to three-year-old is when you start um, inhabiting these these types of uh, attachment styles. Um, A lot of times it comes from parenting. Mm -hmm. From our previous video, we are talking about how parenting can uh, be detrimental to our generation Mm -hmm. and what you know for yourself is important because we don't just transfer genetics. We transfer over a whole bunch of other things like traumas Mm -hmm. and uh, we project it so much we don't realize that they inhibit those things or they inhabit those things, I mean. Um, So in those early ages that John has did the research, he's seen that in his early stages um, that a lot of those attachment styles are just learned behavior Mm -hmm. and um he found that the attachment was more characterized by a clear behavioral and motivation patterns so think about it where if i have a habit of doing something Mm -hmm. uh it's going to project onto our our children and with that being said we need to make sure that we have healthy a healthy lifestyle. We have a more of a stable environment for our kids because they they see this as this is what life is. And you guys might be listening and trying to say like, okay, well, what does this have to do with me having an attachment style right now? Right, right. You'll find out now. Coming soon. The matter of understanding your attachment style is understanding childhood traumas and understanding where it comes from. A lot of times our traumas come from our parents. Mm-hmm. And... For example, when I was a kid, um, my mom was very scared of needles. Mm. And I don't like needles myself because mm. of how my mom projected me on how it should be. <laughs> I used to always cry all the time when I see a needle and I didn't even got the shot yet when right. I go to the doctors. So, you know, me knowing that made me understand more on why I was scared of needles. It wasn't something that I got from myself and it was just something I naturally just got scared of. So when we try to do our understanding of our traumas and our attachment styles of where we come from making relationships, because when we're younger, our first relationship is with our mother and then our father. If we have a bad relationship with them, how do you think that's going to really affect us with other relationships? Yeah, and I think that, like, when it comes to our other relationships, we have to understand the, that the people we surround ourselves with, as we get older, we start mirroring those people. And our first stage of being able to mirror, it comes from our parents. And one thing I learned in class, right, uh, during even um, the, the stages of when we're ready to get potty trained, there's such a thing called an anal personality that could potentially be developed. So, like, if you're being potty trained and let's say uh, you're nervous and your parents are expecting you to just do it there and they're just, like, ridiculing you, like, you have to be there at all times, like, do this, do that. And they always seem like uh, things have to be organized. And if it's not organized, everything falls apart. So this is where potential potential OCD, 
disorders could come into play, and they start feeling like their world will fall apart if they don't have it like this exactly. And with those anal personalities, requires organization. They're uptight. They're stubborn. They're arrogant because they're like it has to be this way. And there's a, there could be some narcissism that comes within that. And even when we're getting potty trained, if our parents aren't being considerate, mindful, and also being generous, because at times we may not be able to maintain our emotions. We are human. However, we have to maintain them and positive and positively reframe them for our child. We have to let our child see how we can adapt and also look at things in a better light. Because if something bad happens, like even there was a video that I saw not that long ago, and a dog was worried about their um, about their owner, and they had a setup like where it was like kids' toy, or whatever, and they the dog pressed worried, you know what I mean? He's like, and the and the mom was like, why are you worried? Worried, mom hurt, and they just kept it real simple. So if you know, the dog can notice, and even something simple as a cough is alarming to that. Imagine how a child may view themselves with having the extra care to themselves to be that mindful. Okay, like, I know I'm coughing. Why am I coughing? Am I in a bad area? Did I eat something bad? Is my throat dry? Do I need to hydrate? These, response, these responses to yourself and even to other people, that, that's important. And how patient you are is what matters. Because if you're impatient and you become impulsive or erratic and, like, you just kind of fall all over the place, mm. this is where unorganized starts to come in because you, yep. go, you go zero to 100 every time. It's, people are going to just know you for being temperamental because you, mm-hmm. you're just all over the place. Aggressive. And now it's like, you know, how do you manage it? Because if you're just quick to go like this, then it's like I can't even trust you to be, to be able to enjoy something for the long term. Now, as a friend, a parent, or a caregiver, I, I would – basically want to isolate you because now like if any type of exposure to anything could provoke you now how am i going to feel trying to invite you if i'm a friend like trying to invite you somewhere where i want you to be with my family mm-hmm. and things like that 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 plays into part and it also shows like how we categorize our acquaintances our friends our best friends people we try to say oh yeah that's my cousin but that's really not like, <laughs> you know i remember I mean? that so like that's it, my brother from another mother i'm batman so it's like, <laughs> so when we start to categorize it, it's not to be rude. It's just the idea, like you know, not everybody can fit that part. Not everybody can play that role, right? Um, and when you were mentioning all those traits of being all over the place, that actually has to do with uh, the attachment style of being disorganized. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to be a little vulnerable with you guys. And so when I was a, a younger and me trying to figure out my childhood traumas, I believe for myself, I was very disorganized. Mm-hmm. That's That was my attachment style. And I'm still detaching from that attachment mm-hmm. um, because these things, these kinds of work, it doesn't happen overnight. And then sometimes it's like trial and error where we're trying to work on ourselves. And then we end up doing something again. It's like, Oh, okay. Well now I'm spotting it. And I need a, uh, um, you got to stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Spot it. Stop it. Stop it. And then swap it. Yep. So, um, now that I spot it, I got to swap it for something else. Because one thing for sure, when we're trying to get rid of certain habits that are old, it's not the matter of removing them. It's the matter of replacing them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, now there's space for something. You got to fill that in for something a lot more healthier. Yeah. Um, being productive is one thing to, um, excuse me, getting into those habits. Mm. So um, I think when you're disorganized, you're very emotional. You feel like there's a lot of trauma and you don't even know where it's coming from. But obviously, there's something there, and you're often very uh, triggered easily. Like anything gets you upset. Somebody crosses, somebody cuts you off in the middle of traffic, and you just want to curse them out and stick out your middle finger out the window because you're just so emotionally flirted for what they did. But yeah. you shouldn't take everything personal, and you just have this very aggressive uh, behavior. 
And then with so much aggression, you don't have space to empathize for other people because mm-hmm. you're so caught up with yourself. You can't even have a sustainable relationship mm-hmm. because of how unorganized you are. You're sympathizing your way into justifying like why you feel like this. And the more that you only sympathize with yourself and not try to sympathize with the, with the situation and the other person involved or other people involved, now you're taken away from them. Now you're not even letting their process, their thought process fl- uh, flurry out because if you can't acknowledge their entire identity and you're just so focused on yourself, you're not going to be able to understand what's going on and wh- who's who's it happening to and where you, you could have taken accountability or at least where where do you feel attacked and, like, what could have made you feel better? Because at the end of the day, like, let's say somebody scratches your car. Now both you guys are out of the car and you guys are, well, you come out mad but you see how uh, anxious this person is, like they're shaking and they clearly aren't uh, emotionally capable of being ridiculed in that moment. So you take that time, those couple seconds to be patient and be like, all right, you know what? Let me ask if they're okay. Let me see, let me ask, like, you know, where they're coming from, like what happened. Let me see what their point of view is like. Because I, I can only demonstrate from my point of view. I can only understand that you hit my car and I don't like that. Now that's money. Now I'm upset. Now my life was in danger. Now I'm protective of myself. All these things are happening. But then, and only but then, if I was just to take that time to just swallow that up real quick, because I, I know I can protect myself. I know I can take care of myself. What about this person? I know what they're like. And just by a look, an eye's glance, through body language, I can see that they're way more unorganized than I am. You know, I was so organized enough to process that I'm feeling all of this. Now I'm done with empathizing. I just want to sympathize with the fact that I'm not okay. I don't like what happened. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think even attachment styles like that, they go into how we handle situations. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Because that is so true. Like, the the attachment on how we feel or what things that made us feel is what we call triggers. Mm-hmm. And it's a valid point that you bring that up because we can't let go of the traumas that mm-hmm. bonded us to who we are. And that's when... We get into relationships and we trauma bomb someone. Like we hear love bombing, but mm. what about trauma bo- uh, bombing? Trauma bombing and then trauma bombing. trauma bonding. That's like how people try to just create a bond off of trauma. Yeah. So being able to relate to mm, things yep. and be like, oh my gosh, you went through that too. Like <sighs> that's so crazy. Why does life gotta be like this? Oh like, love oh, me for your trauma. I think you're my soulmate. You're you're my twin flame. Like I, let's just rekindle this old spark that used to live in the past life from back when we were sixty in the eighteen hundreds and all this other nonsense that don't make sense like bananas and trigonometry. Like <laughs> that, yo, literally, literally a twin flame because it's just fire with fire, mm-hmm. and you're just burning a whole forest, and you already know what happens with a forest going on fire. It goes into a wildfire. And then mm-hmm. everybody is detri- uh, getting to, into this detrimental situation where everybody around you is hitting with that smoke. And now no one wants to be around you because of how unhealthy you are. Look at the air quality over here. Hey, I don't know where you guys are at right now listening to us. But over here on the on the East Coast, East Coast, like oh, we're in Massachusetts and the air quality has been disgusting. Like I'm outside and I'm like, <clears throat> give me a bottle of water. A bottle of water, please. No, I can't breathe. No, and the thing is, I like how you bring up, like, you know, because it's twin flames, so you got two people burning, and it's like that burning passion is so strong. You can't even, it's the, the flame is so strong, you can't even realize everybody else that's burning around you. Mm-hmm. And 
because that burning passion, you think like, oh, it's so strong that maybe I'm just outgrowing these people. That's mm. not the case. You're with a trauma bond on top of that. You're in a bond more because you're looking for for safety. You're looking for someone to make you feel secure and make you feel like you're not alone. Because when we all go through through things and situations that in life where it could weaken us and demoralize us, we do get a little bit complacent. Because now it's like, oh, like I just feel like crap. I don't want to really do anything. And now, like, you're doing the opposite of what you should be doing. You're doing the opposite of, like, when you are feeling down, you should go out, try to try to engage, try to get your mind off things, be productive, because you're only convincing yourself, sorry, let me not do anything. Let me just uh, dwell in this feeling more just because I don't feel good. So let me not feel good even more. Mm. You know what I mean? So with that burning passion, it swallows you. And just like how flames, they get stronger and they eat at you and they literally destroy and eat everything that's within uh, around their proximity. Like, if it's an electrical fire, it's a lot harder to put out an electrical fire. It's harder to put out an electrical fire. And imagine a, a, a wildfire being in the yeah. forest, being in the woods, and you're trying to put out a, a, a tree that's burning from the inside. You can't just use water. You can't just use a fire extinguisher. Like, there's methods for this, and that's why, like, with a twin flame, that thing could go out so... It could go... Um, it could sway into so many different directions that that flame can only just turn into a fire tornado after that and then just become a phoenix that's ready to die. Yeah, the whole the mo- the whole thing is you got to be ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm. So before you go in... Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Your yeah. no. uh, little mama. Thank this man. Thank this man. <laughs> so it's just a matter of uh, when you was talking about that, it made me think about how like you don't really want to go out and that's actually the thing you should do. Get out of your comfort zone. Is because the another the other t- attachment style is being avoidant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when you're emotionally distant, and that's when people oh they just don't understand me or no one understands me. You're emotionally distant. Shrug your um, shoulders. Like, yeah, oh, I guess not, what you know. You it's know not what? that big of a deal. I'm just gonna have to be on my own on this one. You know, however, they could be very independent, but that's when you isolate yourself. Like, there's a balance in life, mm-hmm. um, and then you know they don't they don't depend on their their partner uh, their partner, which is great. However, when you're in a relationship, you guys have to be uh, very connective w- with one another and be able to express each other's emotions so that mm-hmm. you guys are both on the same page and, hey, this is how I feel. Let me hear how you feel. Um, and they do that because they just want to avoid conflict because a lot of times when we try to express our feelings, the other person might not feel as under uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. And so that you're, they're just avoiding the whole what if? Yeah, and and I like how you bring that up too because avoiding the what if, and also more importantly, just avoiding conflict. And I only yep. say, and I say, just avoiding conflict because there's so much that goes around it that even um, avoiding goes into anxiousness. It goes yeah, into it does. anxiousness as well because if someone is avoiding conflict, they're anxious about like what somebody else is going to say. Then they're anxious about like obviously like their image in, um, uh, to other people, and then their their image within themselves and how. Their significant other, let's say, is justifying certain things because that's their significant other, and they're so caring about them that they trust and believe and hope. Trust me, and hope that oh, this is gonna change, it's gonna turn over, mm-hmm. it won't be like this forever. And then it's like, you know, what? What if that's not the case? What if you coddling them? What if you being too nice to them is actually encouraging that anxiousness? It's encouraging them to be avoiding because if they're avoiding conflict, then let's say they're not tough enough. And not saying that everybody has to be tough, but if you're not uh, disciplined enough to, let's say, handle your responsibilities 
or when you say you're going to do something, but you lie to yourself, and now you're avoiding that conflict because you, you have to confront yourself, like, why did I lie to myself? And then when you also announce it, whether it's to a friend or a significant other, now they're going to question you and be like, you know, you said you were going to do this. You know, I don't want to, you know, attack you, or I don't want to come off as if I'm trying to keep tabs on you for you. However, you said you were going to do this, and I just wanted to see, like, if you're doing okay. Now, because they're avoiding, they're like, oh, I'm fine. Like, nothing, nothing to worry about. It's cool. Whatever. You know, that doesn't do anything for them. And it only makes you more worried, and then it, it puts your partner or your friends in distress, like, like, what am I going to do? I can't control their life, and I also don't want to leave them because that's my friend. I care about them. I love them. Who am I if I leave their life? You know, what are they going to do without me? Now now there's no boundaries. Now mm. here, here comes where they're disorganized, and there's lack of security, so now they have to feel like they have to be responsible for them. So like, you know, all these attachment styles coming from our childhood, now we end up becoming the parent because we end up fixing the childhood trauma for them or trying mm. to fix it for them. Mm. You know, like, mm. and that, that just doesn't work. I, I hope you guys are really listening. And if you had to rewind a little bit, matter of fact, just do it just to hear what Tyler just said because that is so resonating with me. Like I had experiences to where... I can see some of the trauma that certain people went through, and not to say I have some of my own, but when you when you're trying to figure your own trauma out, you can mm. see the potentiality of the other people's trauma. Yeah, and it's just like unfortunate because you can't you can't be the bigger person all the time, especially mm. when you're in a relationship. When when you're trying to build something like that, and one person is uh, going through very a lot of traumas, a lot of triggers, you can't always help them on what they can do with that trauma because that's their responsibility. Mm -hmm. You can't mm -hmm. be responsible for other people's tra traumas because you got something that you got to clear out yourself. There's yeah. things that you got to let go. So it's the matter of, you know, you can guide them. Mm. However, you can't just tell them what they could do because then it sounds like you're trying to control them or expect them uh, expect them to do certain things. Oh, yeah. Or you just you think, you know, it's easier said than done and all that. It's like, okay, yeah, that's why in relationships it's so uh, bittersweet sometimes because mm -hmm. you want to help them. And when you're in a relationship, especially if, if you're a man, you, you, we're problem solvers and we just want to do the best so that the person that we're with is not hurting. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's all that we want. However... We can only do so much because a lot of times you already know when we say some things to somewhere we're trying to help, if it's a significant other, if it's a friend, it's a family member, and they just don't listen. And it's to a point where it's like sometimes people have to hear things from someone else or from another perspective that break it down to make the same thing that you're telling them. Because a lot of times you might not be that person in their life that has to tell them it. It has to be someone else. Um, and that's why we come into situations like, Hey, I literally said the same thing. How come you didn't listen to me? And they're saying the same thing, and you listen to them. And it's just like, well, we're not responsible to help them all the time because it then seems like we're controlling them or expecting them, like I said. Um, and when you were talking about, like, being anxious about ourselves and relationships and the mm -hmm. what-ifs, it reminds me of uh, Jose. You know Jose? Yep. Um, he, he was telling me, and uh, it was just the other day, and I appreciate him for this because he was like, you know, what happens is when we're anxious, it's the matter of that we have no control of the future. So we're very anxious of it. However, when we can, we, the first thing we can do is control ourselves and how we can think for the moment. And when we can think for ourselves in that moment, what we can do right now, what we're in control of right now, we become less anxious. Because mm -hmm. we can mm -hmm. never be scared of something we can't physically see. Mm -hmm. Because that's what being scared is. Like, if I see a shark, now I'm scared because I'm going to die. So <laughs> I, I love how you bring that up, and I'm able to bring that in. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's just a matter of valuing things and the beliefs that come with it. Because mm-hmm. um, it was also like how we were watching uh, a clip and it was talking about, instead of talking about rules, we need to talk about values. Yep, that, and I'm, yeah, I was just about to say that. I was just about to bring it up because, like, bring it up. We're, we're so caught up in, like, and this is how society has taught us. So it's not even, like, really our fault. You know what I mm. mean? So with society, like, they have us in school learning how to listen to people and learning that, learning rules. And, like, yeah, there are non-negotiables that, like, Arab, like we all need a foundation of values that uphold our foundation. However, if we're so caught up in learning what not to do, why do you think there are people that still do it? Mm-hmm. You know, we're told not to kill people. We're told not mm-hmm. to rape. But people still do it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, or and, or and the thing is, if we were to change that and, and give people a choice, because at the end of the day, it's freedom of speech, and we also have the right to choose. We have the right to decide. So if we're given an option, you know, now we're understanding the values because if we make if we say yes to this option, we're saying no to this, and that's obvious. But think about what you're saying no to because, like, somebody close to me said, like, you know, if you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to the other. So if you're saying yes that you want to break night and, you know, stay up because you want to, like, uh, make this release for these sneakers and you got to wait till like two in the morning. <laughs> but then, you know, you know, you got to be up at six in the morning to be at work, not get get up and get ready for it. You have to be at work by six. Mm-hmm. You're saying no to being to work on time. So you can't be upset at what happens. And like, oh, I'm tired. Yep. Oh, you know, I'm going to call out. You know, it, it's just another day. I got the PTO for it. And it's like, why waste your PTO for that? Why even get to the point where you have to make yourself look bad? Because at the end of the day, that's that's a fear in our mind to a job that we have to show up for because we're working for somebody, unfortunately. We have to commit. And when we don't show up and, and we call out, especially when it's the last minute, and they may not know how minuscule the reason is, However, it, it just looks bad. And now when you go into work, it seems like, oh, your manager got it out for you. They're adding more pressure on you. However, maybe ask, you ask for that for yourself because maybe the job was strictly clear. We can't, we can't really afford last-minute call-outs. So being, saying yes and no, if we understand our values and how we manage things and understand, like, if we do this, this will happen. If, or if anything, we can choose to do this. This outcome may be different but it may be more favorable long-term. So one answer, both both answers have a short and long-term finish that we have to be mindful for because e- either may be favorable for us, but that doesn't mean that's going to respect where we're at. Yes, I love it. I love it. Thank I love you. it. Thank you. So yeah, guys, those are the attachment styles. Which one do you think you have? I like I said, you know, I'm still uh, detaching from being disorganized mm. um, and trying to make sure that I'm more organized with my emotions and be able to express myself. I believe that I'm still detaching from the anxious attachment style because, as far as like, I remember two, three years ago, lacking being able to set personal boundaries, and as Angel said earlier, when we make other people's uh, situations or problems are situations or vice versa. Like that's a lack of personal boundaries and that's extremely important because you don't want to suffer an emotional burnout and that's something that's a no-no. And eat also with um, highly sensitive, think about how, uh, well, as it says in itself, sensitive you would be to to certain information that you're just always on defense mode and you're, or you're always ready to like, oh my gosh, like how, how does that corrupt your world? Because at some point you don't feel like your world is stable. You don't feel like your world is... Uh, strong enough to take any type of information that could possibly attack you, attack your um, your identity, anything like that, or even attack the people around you. So at, as we learn more about our attachment styles, you're also learning about how you can fix yourself. You're the cure. Absolutely. You got to make sure you do things that help you heal, heal 
in order to find the cure. So remember, guys, you got to work on yourself first before you try to work with someone else. And the matter of is going back in time and see where it came from in the first place, working on your foundation so then you can build actually with someone. So we really appreciate you guys. If you like uh, this episode or any of the other episodes we have done, make sure you guys give us a review. Make sure you guys give a... Ah, ah, that. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate this. And I think we got a quick announcement uh, <sighs> to make. So this is a, a special. If you guys special. you know, watched us and listened to us for this long, we got a little, uh, you know, a treat for you guys. So here it is, Tyler. Okay. So, guys, we all know it's been a year and a half. year and a half at the Rally Cry. And I want to announce I'm taking my talents down south. I'm taking my talents down, down south. south. I got oh, a baby. business trip. Oh, baby. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to be in Texas. I'm going to be in Texas and doing a business trip. And I'm going to be creating my identity more, building a bigger network. And this is this doesn't stop the rally cry. We, we're expanding our network, and we're bringing mm-hmm. community together. Mm-hmm. So while Angel's over here, I'm also pulling the south to the north so mm. we can do this together because north and south, east and west, either way, different time zone, we're still bringing the community together. And... It was a tough decision. However, mm. I think that there's going to be bigger steps coming here on now, and I think this is just another step, a part of the process that's going to make us all grow together, understand each other better, and become one together a lot mm-hmm. better. Yep. And uh, as hard as it almost feels for me, uh, I always tell Tyler, I'm always here. We're doing this together. Mm-hmm. And as he's making the step forward, we're trying to make sure that we do a step forward all together. So uh, remember, it's always about showing up and just giving it a try because you want to tell yourself why not. Yep, and if there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And because of that way, take that leap of faith, ladies and gentlemen. It's, yes. always, it's always going to be there. Yes. So yeah, guys, we appreciate you guys for listening. Until next time, y'all be easy. And y'all be breezy. <laughs> Peace.